the club business, you know, the golf business in general is a very cash-strapped business. So being able to carve out this amount of money to have free in your war chest as a general manager, I have a budget at the beginning of the year that is already approved. If I can cut money out of that budget and then do a couple of extra projects that exceed the expectations of the board and the members, I've done my job. Welcome to Private Club Radio, the industry's first and only program dedicated to education, news, events, trends and announcements. Broadcasting from Tampa, Florida, ladies and gentlemen, here is your host, Gabriel Aloisi. The voice you heard there was Ian Church, a general manager from New Jersey, who is my guest today. Ian contacted me a few weeks back and said, Gabe, I saved my club $160,000. It was easy. All I had to do was renegotiate some contracts, and I had a partner that helped me and walked me right through the process. So, of course, that intrigued me, and it's a story that both Ian and I want to bring to you today. I think you're really going to get a lot out of today's episode. And hopefully this episode gives you a few ideas and a few ways that you can save some money for your club and free up some funds for your budget as well. Before we bring Ian on, a couple announcements for you. First, I wanted to once again invite you to check out the webinar series that we're doing over at privateclubradio.com. The first webinar is going to happen July 25th, and the subject matter is marketing to millennials. If your club is looking to bring in new members, younger members, this is a webinar that you will not want to miss. Registration is only $49. You can go to privateclubradio.com slash millennials. And if you want to get a little bit more information about the education, the exciting data that we're going to share and the best practices that we're going to show you, go to that website. There's a video preview right there for you. Once again, privateclubradio.com slash millennials. The next bit of news I have for you comes from the National Club Association who elected their new board members and officers to govern the association. Lou DiLorenzo, vice president of the Board of Governors at Interlochen Country Club, and Malcolm McCall, president of the Board of Governors at the Westmore Club in Nantucket, are the new directors elected to the NCA board for three-year terms. The new officers include your new chair, Ted Ben, partner at Thompson & Knight LLP in Dallas. Kevin Vitali, general manager and CEO of Baltusrol, who you just heard last week on this episode. He'll be the new vice chair. Frank J. Vane, president of the McMahon Group. He was elected as the new secretary. And Kevin R. Riley, partner at PB Mayors LLP in Fairfax, Virginia, was re-elected as treasurer. Lastly, the immediate past chair is Philip R. Keister, general manager of the Country Club of Virginia in Richmond, Virginia. If you have news that you'd like to share on this program, simply visit privateclubradio.com. There's a contact form there where you can submit that to me and I will get it on this show. Are you searching for members? Are you looking to drive revenue to every department of your club? With Course Driver, you can. Course Driver is a custom smartphone application designed specifically for your club. Visit coursedriver.com 
to schedule your demo today. All right, it's time for us to bring on today's guests. Our first guest that I want to introduce is Ian Church of Knollwood Country Club in California. Ian has been in the golf industry for over 15 years, managing courses in the UK, Portugal, and the United States. He, as I mentioned earlier, was the general manager at Beacon Hill Country Club in New Jersey, where he saved that club over $160,000. He's joined by Ed Flanagan, director at Expense Reduction Analysts. Together, these gentlemen are going to share their experience of how they did it for Beacon Hill Country Club and how you can do it at your club. Ian, welcome to Private Club Radio. So great to have you on the show today. It's good to be here, Gabe. Thank you very much for having me. All right. So as general manager at Beacon Hill Country Club in New Jersey, you were able to save your club quite a large sum of money. Can you tell me a little bit about how you did that? Yeah, well, I employed a company uh, and work with a a company called uh, Expense Reduction Analysts. This is a company that um, was founded in the UK, and it's not the reason why I I know about them. I was actually referred to them by a a fellow golfer while I was uh, managing a club for American golf over in Clinton in New Jersey. And um, he said, hey, you know, if you're interested in saving expenses and, and you know, efficiently operating your business. I know somebody that might be able to help you. So he put me in contact with them, and uh, I wasn't able to implement anything over at uh, the golf club I was managing at Clinton. But shortly after arriving at Beacon Hill, I realized that uh, I had a bit more autonomy to be able to engage this company, and um, it sounded very interesting. What the, the interesting proposition that they made was that uh, they'd come in and they'd scrutinize some invoices, uh, look at how much we've been paying, and then they go away and they do some homework, and they'd, they'd go away and uh, make requests for proposals for for competitive uh, companies as well as the incumbent, and then they'd compare that and they come back to me with a proposal, and this would all be done for free, uh, and the compensation that they would get would be directly proportional to the savings that they would share with uh, that we would realize and that they would share then with us uh, by giving us a bill at the end of every month when we had uh, an invoice from any of the suppliers that we said we were going to want to evaluate and uh, said okay well this sounds this sounds really interesting I'm not going to pay anything up front they're going to uh, um, they're going to scrutinize my, my invoices and they're going to compare that to other places that they have um, done this for in the past and I said, okay, there's no risk to me and my business. There's only real benefits. So I got in contact with Ed, and uh, we uh, identified low-hanging fruit areas, obviously those areas which have the biggest invoices that we get at the club would be the ones that could have the biggest potential for savings. And we went through the process. Um, the first process we did was our waste management. So waste management is an area of the business that has – Literally no uh, customer-facing impact. We were spending in the order of twenty, twenty-five thousand dollars, I believe, and um, we were able to get a, a saving of nearly eleven thousand dollars every year on the existing uh, waste management contract, um, which was very surprising to me. And um, not only did they uh, propose that we stay with the incumbent supplier, but that the incumbent supplier had actually been guilty of uh, overcharging us for some, some of their services in the past because they had gone back to our invoices that we'd, that we'd given them and they had noticed that uh, we were being charged for things that we really shouldn't have been charged for. So um, 
in general, we then decided, okay, well, if they can do $10,000 on a waste management contract, let's see what they can do for other areas, and that included linens and towels, uh, chemicals and fertilizers for the superintendent's uh, maintenance part of the business, um, that the clubhouse cleaning contract, we were a little unsatisfied with the uh, incumbent. We had some service issues with them, and we felt that we were paying a lot more than we perhaps had to. And then we also um, evaluated our off-the-center-of-the-plate food items uh, for Cisco, and we renegotiated our contract with Cisco. So in, in total, we had uh, five contracts over the next three years that we re-signed with um, four incumbent suppliers and one new supplier. So 80% of uh, what we were doing was basically with the same people that we had done before, but we had uh, a majority of our savings with them. And then we renegotiated a, a, another contract with uh, a different cleaning supplier for the clubhouse, and we were able to uh, get some significant savings there. So add all that up, and it became $80,000 a year uh, for every year. Uh, the the contract deal that we have with expense reduction analysts that they take in year one and year two, 50% of the savings that we have. So I'd rather take 50% of $80,000 than uh, 100% of only $10,000 in terms of savings. And then in year three and beyond, we would keep those savings as we move forward with, uh, with, the, with the contracts that we signed. So 40 plus 40 plus 80 is going to be $160,000 over the next three years. All right, so let's kind of go step-by-step step through this. So you, ha as a club, you have outside vendors that are uh, coming into the club, and, you know, of course, every month they're handing you an invoice. When expense reduction analysts come in, what exactly is the process? Is there a charge to kind of go through this and uh, take a look at your invoices, or how are they going about it? The process is really, uh, I've gone through it now five times, and it's 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 a really good structured process. It's the same process for every uh, contract that we have signed. First of all, they will come in and they'll, that we'll assess, uh, they'll assess the invoices that we've been paying for the incumbent supplier. And they'll look at things like, this is how many towels that you're ordering on a weekly basis, or this is generally the, the contract volume that you have. They will then do an RFP process. So in order to attract uh, competitive bids, as well as to uh, get a bid from the incumbent, they need to know what the volume of the, the business is going to be. That will oftentimes influence the, uh, the, the, the contract uh, proposal that they make. They then come back to us um, after the benchmarking and after the RFP, and they say, okay, well, based on our, recomm our recommendation is this, and this is the reason why we recommend this. And what they do is they take the benchmarking and they say, right, this is what we benchmarked you at. Uh, this is the RFP that we've done. This is, these are the proposals that we've got back. And if we then cost model that back into uh, what we anticipate to be your, uh, your need, then these are going to be the savings for the, for the, the various suppliers. We've had a couple of suppliers, actually, that, the, uh, that um, expense reduction analysts have recommended, uh, particularly the incumbents, that are a little bit more expensive than some of the competitive quotes. But they've recommended those because they're very well aware of the cost of switching that uh, can be imposed um, on a business like ours. Sure. And that cost is not just, you know, the, the actual physical cost, but the, the, the cost in terms of quality and the, the cost in terms of the, the burden on our business to change a supplier, maybe to change our process and, and all those other things. So we, we've not gone down the path with, a, with expense reduction analysts of 
always choosing the cheapest supplier. We've oftentimes, I, I believe two out of the four times, decided to stay with the incumbent knowing that we're paying a little bit more but still getting 10 to 30% reduction on the incumbent supplier's um, quotation versus the, the, the previous contract that we had. Um, and then we sign a deal. And, and after we sign the deal with, the, with the, either the new company or the existing supplier, uh, one of the great benefits that uh, ERA brings to the table is that they then, as our business partner, are, have a vested interest in making sure that the contract that we've signed with the, uh, the new contract with the old supplier or a new contract with a new supplier is stuck to by them. And they will then scrutinize the bills. They'll, they'll get a copy of all of the invoices, and they'll be able to then tag those to the benchmark that we did, and they'll be able to then say, okay, as a result of this new contract, uh, last month's bill, let's say it was $920 that you received from your clubhouse cleaning company. Um, this is how they calculate it. It's very transparent about how it's calculated and how they feel that they then charge us uh, 460 bucks, and they send us an invoice for 460 So we've already, as a business, received the savings um, in the prior month, and then we've got another company that's scrutinizing uh, the bills to make sure that they're in line with uh, with our expectations and the contract that we signed with the supplier, and then as a result of that, we get a we get a bill from them. So it's it's really really uh, very very good. Excellent. So I want to bring on Ed Flanagan. Ed is the director at Expense Reduction Analysts. Uh, Ed, welcome to Private Club Radio. Thanks for being with us. Uh, thanks, Gabe. I appreciate the opportunity to uh, get involved. So I imagine you guys have done some benchmarking and some competitive analysis, and you have you know numbers on basically all the products that a private club might need. Would that be a correct assumption? Yes, we have proprietary information. We've been doing this for 23 years, uh, and we actually do it in 30 different countries. And we not only work on private clubs, we work on all sorts of industries, and we know what the best costs are because of uh, that benchmark data. Now, Ian, you mentioned that it didn't require that you actually change your vendor. So once you sort of you, you met with Ed, he gave you sort of a, a baseline number or how did it work? And then, you know, how did you make the decision whether to stick with a vendor or to uh, move on to a new vendor? It depends on the type of project. So let's take a very simple one, the, 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 the waste management contract. You know, we have a waste management disposal company that comes and they, they come on a regular basis to empty the bins and the compactor that we have. And based on that frequency of service, that we, we have an old contract with them. It's very predictable for us what our future need is going to be. So they are then able to say, right, this is the, the service that you had. Here's the frequency. This is how much you paid. And this is what we're going to give to the other suppliers as well as the existing one to requote for your business. When we get the recommendation back and we sign a new contract, and we did that with the incumbent, then they can actually say, okay, well, here are the new prices that you're paying, and here were the old prices that you paid. And the difference between those two will be how we're going to calculate how much savings we have have uh, realized for you. So as I, as I tried to illustrate in the, in the previous example, if we save 920 bucks in April of 2016, then in May of 2016, we know that we're going to get a bill for 460 of it from ERA. Okay, it is a little bit more complex with um, more complex suppliers. So, for example, our towels and linen supplier, they have a variety of different uh, products that they give us. They 
small towels, golf towels, large towels for the locker rooms, uniforms for the for the kitchen. But again, those are just line items, and with the renegotiated prices, they then say, okay, well, you ordered five uniforms, 760 towels, you know, blah, 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 these old rates. That's what you would have paid at the new rates. This is what you did pay. Here are our savings. And at the bottom, they add it all up and divide by two. Same thing with Cisco. Obviously, there's a ton load of things that we have with Cisco, but Cisco, the Cisco contract that we have is probably saving us uh, – gross in the order of thirty-five dollars to $40,000 a year. So um, that's all of the off-the-center-of-the-plate items like paper goods and plastic goods and um, all of the other stuff that we can consolidate around our food supply. So that's how, that's how it's done. It's, it's really tagged back to the, the past and the, the previous contracts that we had and the previous pricing. And it's very transparent. It's, uh, every single line item is detailed and, and added up and you know, it's, it's, this business is oftentimes death by a thousand cuts, and this is sort of savings by a thousand cuts, if you like. <laughs> sure. So, Ed, um, I, I assume it's not just hard goods that you can you know, find some expense reduction here. Is it also services? Can you sort of lay out well, you know, what type of things around the club that people might be able to save money on if they're missing? Yeah, I mean, one of the things we look at when we're analyzing a category is uh, best practices. Now, remember, we were dealing with another club, not Ian's club. And they had the same service in their waste management throughout the year. And we found out during the winter months in the Northeast, there's not much activity. And uh, we were able to go from uh, pickups every week to pickups once a month and found a lot of savings in just reducing the uh, frequency. And, uh, and then the uh, waste supplier was able to pass those savings on to the club. Okay. So we're looking not only, you know, we're looking not only for, you know, cost uh, of the services, but better practices and other things that don't comp- that don't impact, you know, how the club runs their business. Right. Yeah, exactly. And that that's an important um distinction to make there. So, how about price creep? I mean, what happens if, you know, I can get my paper towels a little bit cheaper from one vendor, but they just do that in the first year to make sure that I get their business and then I'm sort of stuck with them. How do you sort of uh, continue to monitor and maintain that your pricing is, is, is the best it can possibly be? Well, Gabe, that's a, a very important facet of, uh, of, the, of the, uh, our process uh, because general managers and their staff are extremely busy, especially during the, uh, the peak season during the summer. And they don't have the time to uh, scrutinize invoices. And what vendors will tend to do is they'll give you a good price, but if you're not watching them, you'll get uh, co- impacted by the cri- price creep. Sure. So part of our services, once we uh, nail down the contract with savings, we help our clients implement them sa- those savings to make sure these new prices have gone into effect. And then for the next two years, each month, we actually get invoices from the suppliers. We don't uh, ask the uh, clients to send the invoices because we don't want to bother them. We have the suppliers send us invoices or a download of the activity, and we monitor those and check and make sure that the prices match up to the contract. And then we also analyze those new prices back to the baseline cost and calculate the savings. Ian, if you're going to start with a club from from scratch, actually you are moving to a new club, which is Knollwood Country Club. What's going to be your first things that you're going to take a look at and see if you can save some money? Well, I think there's a couple of aspects to this. Uh, obviously, 
the larger a contract volume, the larger potential you have of, of saving real money. You know, ten, a 10% saving on a $50,000 contract is, is obviously going to be more uh, fruitful than a 20% saving on a $5,000 contract. So certainly looking at volume um, in terms of going into the accounts payable uh, log and then going through and seeing which are the vendors who are your biggest uh, contracts and, and, and spend. I think that, that the second aspect is if it's, if it's in an area that is really operational, and that could be telephone supplies, IT, it could be you know a lot of things that members don't actually see and feel and touch, then that's going to put it very much higher on the list as well because uh, you know quality is definitely an issue. Although, again, with incumbent suppliers, you're not going to be compromising any of that. You're just going to be renegotiating them in a, in a more professional and, and, and standard cross-industry way. But I think the other thing that is really important about the whole project, um, looking at it in its entirety, is that really this isn't about saving cost. It's not about translating those savings straight to the bottom line. Uh, and I, I believe that firmly, not just for a, a, a member equity-owned club, but a proprietary club. This is about taking, you may very well be able to take some of it and put it to your bottom line, but taking the majority of it and redistributing it into other projects that you may have that have not been able to be done because cash is, uh, is tight and put, you, put yourself in a better competitive position. So whether those are for member amenities, member services, um, things that you want to do in terms of marketing your product to the to the outside or just improving the product and 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 doing things that are going to place you in a more competitive position i think that it is really incumbent upon the general manager to identify what are the needs of the business and 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 then allocate those those cost reductions into those things that are needed so that you can either become more competitive or just uh, you know better at what you're doing for the same amount of money that the members are paying on an annual basis. Uh, that's really the the thing that I think is incumbent upon the general manager to look at and say, okay, well now I know I've got a a plethora of different suppliers that I could go to and get some savings. And what are the projects that I really want to put these savings into? Perfect, Ed. From your experience, what uh, you know, we're talking about a country club, probably an operating budget of anywhere from you know, maybe three million and up. What, on average, do you see businesses of that size? What's the average yearly savings? I know Ian mentioned that he was he was going to be able to over a three year period. Looks like they could save the club over one hundred sixty thousand dollars. What is sort of a, a baseline or or an average savings that you're seeing? Well, uh, it's a good question, Gabe. It, it depends on how many categories they would like us to look at. And, uh, you know, Ian mentioned earlier that the biggest category is their food service and their uh, chemicals and fertilizer, but we also help with waste. We can help them with their insurances, both health health insurance and and business insurance, also utilities. And it really depends on uh, how many categories we get to look at, but on average, we're saving anywhere between 10 and 30%. Wow. So whatever, whatever their annual spend is, calculate that by 20%. And that's the average savings per category. Now, if it's free to have you guys sort of come in and analyze and do this no-cost analysis, is there any reason why they wouldn't have you take a look at every department of the club or every area of the club? Well, I mean, sometimes uh, some of the members are doing some of that work for the club, and they don't want to uh, get in 
you know, get involved with that. You know what I mean? Sure. sure. So, uh, I mean, there's a lot of issues. There's politics sometimes. Um, so it really depends. I mean, somebody like Ian, it was open and, uh, you know, had no dogs in the fight. He said, you know, come in and look at wherever we can save. All right. So how do folks get in touch with you guys, Ed, um, at expense reduction analysts? Yeah, we have a website. So it's, uh, you know, www.expensereduction.com. Uh, we're a global cost management company and we've got, uh, offices here in the U S and also in 30 other countries. Perfect. And Ian, if anyone has any questions, they'd like to get in touch with you and sort of have you maybe um, show them how you went through the process and, and what benefit it might have. How would they get in touch with you, Ian? Well, uh, email is probably best. My email address is ichurch, I-C-H-U-R-C-H, number 27 at Gmail. Uh, more than happy to uh, help other clubs to get on board with something that is Standard for a lot of other businesses around the uh, around the world, and uh, I just feel that this is something that um, my fellow club managers could really do with. I'm, we're, Ed and I are actually approaching the the local chapters of the CMAA to maybe roll this into some education. Um, you know, one of the things that I found from a GM's perspective is, like Ed was uh, alluding to earlier, there's just so much going on, and there's so much. Uh, demand on the time of a general manager that uh, being able to have a partner that's going to say, look, we'll go away. We'll be your partner. We're not going to select a vendor for you and then get some sort of handout as a reward from the vendor, you know, as a sort of spiff or some compensation for finding a contract as, as is normal practice. We're going to be your partner. We're going to carve out every possible dollar and cent that we can for your business. And when we do that, we'll take half of it for the, for year one and year two um, on a partnership basis and uh, being able to just allow them to, to feed in the, the experts that they have in all of these areas, experts in waste management, chemicals and supplies, food, um, the, the contracting services that we have for cleaning the clubhouse, etc., has been a, a real blessing uh, so that that allows me to focus me and my team on the stuff that we do best and uh, ERA can do what they do best. Oh, that's that's excellent. And I really want to say thank you kind of on behalf of all the club managers out there because you, you as uh, Ed mentioned, don't have a dog in this fight either. Um, you're not getting compensated for this. This is just something that you found that you wanted to share with other managers and your colleagues and peers. And we really appreciate you coming on to talk to us about it. Yeah, well, you know, at the end of the day, uh, I'm a member of the Club Managers Association and that is a club. And uh, as we expect club members to volunteer and contribute their spare time to the benefit of the club and we often have that in the clubs that we manage uh we too are club managers uh you know members of a club rather and uh and i just feel that that's the same type of philosophy so anything we can do to make our club better anything i can do to help general managers have one more arrow in their quiver so to speak um is something that i would i benefit a lot from listening to your show and going to local chapters for the CMAA and other organizations. And uh, sometimes when you have a good idea, uh, you can step up and, and contribute. So I'm very happy to do that. All right. One last question before I let you go, Ian. It's the bucket list question. If there's one club that our listeners need to visit before mm-hmm. they die, for you, what club would that be? Well, uh, the most spectacular club that I have been to and would recommend everybody to go to is um, a club called Nevin in uh, in in Wales. Um, they have three or four holes there that they call the aircraft carrier. 
uh, it juts out into the sea like an aircraft carrier. You stand about 50 feet above the uh, the bottom of the, the cliffs. And if it's hailing a gale, uh, 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 howling a gale rather, and um, and you're not hitting the ball straight, then it's uh, it's a very interesting challenge. But it's a beautiful, beautiful part of the world. I think Wales is terribly underrated in general, and any any uh, links club in Wales is is definitely a, a great bargain, and a, and and phenomenal views over the uh, over the countryside. Beautiful. Thank you guys so much for being on the show. Really happy to have you. All right. Take care, Gabe. Thank you, Gabe. I hope you've been inspired by today's episode, and I hope you join us back here next week for another exciting interview on Private Club Radio. Don't forget about the webinar on marketing to millennials that we're doing on the 25th. If you want more information on that, simply check out privateclubradio.com slash millennials. And last but not least, if you haven't voted for the subject or topic that you want to hear on this program, you can do that at privateclubradio.com slash vote. Lots of stuff on that website. Check it out. We'll see you back here next week. And until then, here's to your membership success. Just because this round is over doesn't mean you can't enjoy the 19th hole. Check out privateclubradio.com for more. Private Club Radio is brought to you by Shake Creative, the premier marketing and design firm, helping prestigious clubs increase and retain their membership. Visit shaketampa.com to learn more.